Harry Canary here with three questions you're going to answer yes to. Do you like beer? Do you like drinking lots of beer? Here you go, Pawtucket Patriot Ale, the best Quahog has to offer. Would you like to drink lots of beer with your friends here at the Birdcage on a glorious autumn afternoon? Beer. Come on out to the Sioux Falls Canaries second annual Beer Fest at the Birdcage, Saturday, October 9th from 1 to 4 p.m. We'll have over a dozen local and regional beer vendors. $40 will get you 25 drink tickets. Plus, we'll be playing beanbags. In fact, we'll have a beanbag tournament. $20 gets you into that. I am the great Cornholio. <laughs> Just to review, beer, beanbags, birdcage, Saturday, October 9th from 1 to 4. More info at sfcanaries.com. Go birds! For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, are we not in the sweet spot of life and the sports calendar or not? It is mid-September. Football has kicked off at all levels. Crisp autumn air out there. It's getting nice and cool. Jeans weather. And we're here. Matt Zimmer, John Gaskins, Gateway Lounge, the one-year anniversary. Did you know this? Facebook told me today, one-year anniversary of our first Nobody's Listening Anyway podcast, where we tried that whole Facebook Live thing and all that jazz. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Fond memories? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) That, my friends, if you have never listened to the podcast, is the enthusiasm level you're usually going to get from Matt Zimmer about the podcast. Although we're excited to be doing it today. Last week was going to kind of be like, hey, it's a sweet spot. It's the Vikings opener. The Jacks open with this win over Colorado State, and it's just the perfect week to really get things kicked off. And uh, we didn't do it, but we're here today to double down on everything, literally double down on everything at the Gateway Lounge. Uh, I was here on Sunday for the NFL opener, and of course most folks know this. It's not only the NFL headquarters to watch games, enjoy great food, service, all that on an NFL Sunday uh, with a perfect layout of all their TVs. If you're a Chiefs fan or if you're a Vikings fan, you're going to get to watch the games while the weather's good outdoors. Uh, They had an outdoor tailgate party with a giant screen. I enjoyed watching that with some of my fellow Chiefs fans in the second half. Uh, And, of course, all the games were unfolding inside and here. The service was awesome. And the Gateway also, yesterday, on a Monday, we're taping on Tuesday, had free lunch for all first responders a couple days after the 20th anniversary of 9-11. They do it every year about this time. It's just a good community place to go. Zim's been going here for years. I've been going here for years. Uh, it's not a, it's not it's not just a place we're supporting, but it, it does sports and sports barring the right way. Zim, they, they are on top of things the way some sports bars, many in many places I've been, are not. The, the, the Chiefs game ends with the Browns. It's on CBS, and 60 minutes is starting. You know, I mean, right away, boom, 60 minutes starts after these football games. 
And I'm going, okay, the audio in the bar, this is 60 minutes. Uh, are we going to have to ask somebody, hey, can you put on the NBC football highlight show or something? I don't want to watch <laughs> 60 minutes. Didn't have to ask. They already knew what they were doing. Jackson was in control of that. It's the little things that matter at these places. So uh, come on down to the gateway where we are taping this broadcast. All right. Uh, you, we, we've got the fatalistic disaster, the latest chapter in Vikings fandom to get to. Uh, big news that you covered, I guess it's big news, for the South Dakota State basketball and wrestling and volleyball mm-hmm. programs at Frost Arena yesterday. But let's start with SDSU football since, let's face it, a year into this we've kind of learned that's where a lot of our listeners are. And the Vikings suck. So. And the, yeah, I mean, it's, we're, yeah, it's just a cry-in-your-beer session, the latest one for the Vikings. Uh, man, uh, Jack, I mean... I was I was locked and loaded and ready for the big win at Colorado State, but we can package it with the fifty-two to seven stomping of Lindenwood because it's all kind of the same. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. a uh, well-oiled machine. I was just going to use that exact phrase. Yeah, that's uh, how cliche of you. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind when you kind of try to summarize those first two games. And uh, I just less than an hour ago talked to Stig for his uh, weekly press conference, and I asked him, you know, okay, two games in, what do you think? And that was just kind of what he said was, you know, he did say the starters. He maybe is not entirely pleased with the second unit, who's got a lot of playing time early on because they've been winning games handily. But he said starters look pretty good. Offense and defense, there's not a lot to complain about. Um, You know, the running – Pierre Strong was not Pierre Strong in the spring. Now he's back and looking like an NFL running back again. Uh, And they'll need that because Isaiah Davis is out, and we'll get to that in a sec. But um, Chris Oladoku in the quarterback, who we all thought was going to be pretty good. Um, I don't think anyone was afraid that he was going to, you know, shit the bed and not be able to handle the job. But he's been unbelievable Mm. through a game and a half and – you're starting to go, okay, this guy could be, you know, the best play. He could be the MVP of the Valley this year, maybe the player of the year. And, and I don't know, maybe pump the brakes a little bit, but he, he couldn't have looked better through two games. Uh, the defense has been very good. Um, you know, against Colorado State, I think they gave up one really good sustained drive. But, you know, that's an FBS team. They weren't going to shut them out. And uh, other than that one drive, they pretty much shut them down other than garbage time. Um, and then, you know, the funny thing about the Lindenwood game is their Division two. And the Jacks haven't played a Division II team in a long time. And uh, they were in the playoffs in 2019, but I still don't think Lindenwood is or was as good as some of the best teams Jed had at USF. So it's not like I was expecting a you know a national championship caliber Division II team coming in, uh, but I thought it would be more competitive than that. And the fact that it wasn't, you mentioned 52-7 to in the final, but it was 45 nothing yep. at halftime. Um, I think that says less about Lindenwood than it does about the Jacks. Uh, because you did see some of the hallmarks of a Jed Stugart coached team. They played hard. Um, they weren't intimidated. You know, you could see their undersized defensive backs coming up and trying to tackle Isaiah Davis. It didn't go so well, but, you know, they, yeah. they didn't back down from the challenge. Uh, Thomas Stacker, the Jacks' D-tackle, said after the game, I thought their offensive line was more physical than Colorado State's. And you, you could tell he meant it. He wasn't trying to, you know, throw shade or, or be funny. Like, uh, Jed's team came to play, and they were just that overmatched. Um, and you might think, well, FCS, F, 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 Division Two. what do you expect? Well, you know, we've seen Division Two teams beat FCS teams. We've seen Jed Stugart, uh, Kalen DeBoer take the, those Division Two teams and do it. And I just think it shows the level that the Jacks are playing at right now. This was more like a Division Two team taking on an FBS team than an FCS team because uh, they might be the best team in the country. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing that's unfortunate for the Jacks, and I wrote about this today, it'll be online in, in a bit, 
okay, they're 2-0 and now, but they've lost two very significant players to major injuries. First game against Colorado State, Landon Wolf, the transfer from Oklahoma State, had to sit out the whole spring redshirting. They're all excited to add him to the offense. Yeah. You know, this is a legit Big 12 dude. It's not mm-hmm. like he was some scrub at Oklahoma State who transferred because he never played. You know, he was like he had like 25 catches uh, for Oklahoma State last year. He comes in, he's going to be a dude. He tears his ACL, he's done before he even really. I think it was the first time he touched the ball as a Jackrabbit. Wow. And now next week, or, or I should say, in the next week against Lindenwood, you lose Isaiah Davis, which is obviously a bigger loss. He might, with all due respect to Pierre Strong, who's as good as he is, Isaiah might be the most explosive weapon on that offense, and he's now out for probably, it sounds like, eight weeks. Oh, That's almost the whole season. Man, you were a month after the game, so it's well, I said at worst. least a month. Oh, okay. And uh, I knew I was being conservative there, and uh, now they're saying, I mean, he broke his collarbone. They won't, they won't come out and say that, but it's pretty obvious that's what happened. And, uh, you know, he's a running back. That's that's a significant injury. And I believe the North Dakota State game is, guess what, eight weeks away. Now, that's the game that you, you want to have him for. And then, obviously, a potential playoff run. He, it's not a season-ending injury. The thing is, eight weeks, he could get this year back as a re- – you could redshirt, just sit him for the rest of the year and get that year back. Are they going to want to do that? I don't think so, especially if Isaiah Davis is this good. He might not want to hang around for five years. So – That'll be interesting to follow, you know, how fast he can heal, what kind of role he can have on their team at the end of the year. Um, but it, it, it it's such a funny thing because you have these two games to start the season that go great, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. We look like the best team in the country. But then two of your most important offensive weapons are down. Which you probably won't need except for in games like North Dakota State or maybe in the quarterfinals, semifinals. I mean, they got Southern Illinois and Northern Iowa. Those yeah. are teams that – you know, the Jacks are, are better than them. They should beat them. Yeah. Um, but you take away one of your best offensive weapons, and that'll make it harder. By the way, while you're rattling off uh, Missouri Valley teams, you see what Missouri State did the other night? They were uh, they were playing Central Arkansas, uh-huh. so this was a top oh, yeah, 25 yeah, yeah. FCS yeah, I battle. I did see the ending, yeah. Well, this was on uh, bad beats bad beat. last night. Because they scored a meaningless yeah. touchdown to cover the spread, right? After yeah. that incredible Raiders-Ravens games, yeah, they showed. It was basically their feature on the bad beats because uh, I think it was – uh, their opponent, Central Arkansas, was a five-and-a-half-point underdog, and I think Missouri State trailed by about ten with three or four minutes left <laughs> and got, you know, somehow got enough points to cover the spread. Take the lead and, and cover, cover the, the spread. The spread. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty – I think one of them was like a pick six with 30 seconds left. Yeah, they like, had the game in hand, yeah, basically. And, yep. Yeah, <laughs> took it in. Bobby Petrino already, top 25 team. Here we I, go. I'm pretty impressed. I mean – I I, I figured a, you bring in a name like Bobby Petrino and he'll get it turned around to some degree. And That's what he does everywhere he goes. And obviously he's going to leave as soon as he gets the opportunity yeah. to. But I didn't think he'd get him turned around that fast. Yeah. They were bad. Yeah. You know, they they were the type of team that I, I don't think they were a whole lot better than some of the teams in the Northern Sun. And for them, them to be that good all of a sudden – that's impressive. They're well, not on the Jack schedule this year, and normally you go, "Oh darn, we don't get Missouri State this year." Now this year, you're probably happy about it. Yeah. They, well, uh, I'll say this, and this is kind of a sidetrack. I understand why North Dakota State's good. They just built themselves, and it became a bigger and bigger monster. And they play indoors in a cool environment, and you know it's a bigger than your normal sized college town, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Missouri State should be one of the top two or three teams in the valley when you look at pure football programs it's location it's a southern point it's warm in the winter <laughs> excuse mm-hmm. me it's warm in the winters there springfield's a big city it's you know almost the size of omaha it's somewhere mm-hmm. between omaha and lincoln size it's bigger than sioux falls that should be a great place to go Decent play football you too, sh- yeah. yeah you should just have your 
ducks in a row and the right coach, and uh, you should rock and roll. It's interesting, by the way, on bad beats, as they were watching these highlights, Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve, who obviously don't know Missouri State from Mississippi State, they <laughs> saw one angle on the field toward the end zone, and they're like, is that a garage in the back of the end zone? I know you've been there, but they were just like, what is, what is that setup that they have back there? I heard there was a big crowd, which is... Which yeah. is saying something because I've, I've covered a couple games there and there were you know maybe a thousand people there. Yeah. So anyway, they have uh, Missouri State's gone from number twenty-five to number seventeen. The Jacks are now up to number three in the valley, and or number two Nation. in the country. Uh, so the defending champ Sam Houston is number one. They're two and zero. James Madison is three. Montana, who of course beat Washington, I believe, yep. and they're number four. The Bison are number five, and then you got Southern Illinois at eight. UND at eleven. Uh, Missouri State 17, Northern Iowa 18. So how many is that? That's already six, I believe. Yeah, they got six in the five or six in the top 18 right there from the FCS. And you know the good news is for the Jacks with these injuries, even though they're longer term, uh, week those, off. Is all that, those teams yeah. we mentioned, like I said, Missouri State is not on the schedule, and the other ones they all play them at home. Wow. Yeah. The Jack schedule has never been more favorable. Wow. So this is all – so to, to what we were saying, this is an added layer to the last podcast we did a couple weeks ago, which is kind of like you hate to say it, you hate to put that much pressure on anybody because it's not easy to win national titles at any level, but it's kind of like that's 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 one sign that this should be it, you know? That and you win that FBS it. game too, you know, on top of that. That was – Did you did you put a close watch on uh, – North Dakota State, either their first two games? Not really, no. Okay. Um, let's go back to that Colorado State game since we were going to have a podcast, but we didn't last week. Because um, you forgot your recording equipment. Yeah, you didn't The one thing that. you needed to leave, <laughs> leave the house with. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's a good thing. I'm going to go to my football you know, game and forget to bring my helmet and shoulder pads. Do I miss daily radio? <laughs> yes. Uh, at this time of year, I do. I don't in the, in the, in the lean. The dog days in the, of summer. In the lean months, uh, you know, basically ending with the final four. Uh, I do this time of year, although, like, <laughs> I'd be fired. I'd be fired from Daily Radio for last week. That was beauty of a podcast. Oh, we don't have equipment? Oh, there's another time we can do this? Okay. Punt, do it next week. And uh, and then just go go back. And you. We, we talked about how the Jacks could, if not should, win at Colorado State. It seemed State. like we both were really, really, really thinking SDSU would win yeah. easily, but... I don't know. We're just afraid yeah, well, to sure. go all the way out on that limb. We did both say we expected him to win. Yeah. But I don't think either one of us had the nuts necessarily to say they would blow him out. And yeah. I don't think I thought they were going to blow him out necessarily. Um, but you're kind of watching the game and going, yeah, maybe did we overthink this a little bit to think that it wouldn't be that way? I mean, what do you expect? Well, we just didn't know what to expect out of Colorado State. I, I guess. But, I mean, you know, like we said, they haven't been good the last few years. You know, they – only played four games last year, and Steve Adazio seems like a boob. I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about him to begin with, but I mean, he, 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 he I, you know, I was from the time we did that podcast to the start of the game, I, I was reading a little more about him, and just he was a deeply unpopular hire the day they got on. And normally, you know, new coach, and everyone's kind of like, all right, let's give this guy a chance. Like, nobody wanted him. I guess Urban Meyer basically told Colorado State, hire this guy, so they did. What was his connection to Urban Meyer? I don't know exactly what the connection was there. They're just friends or something. But yeah. I mean, he leaving aside that the Jacks were probably just a much better team and, yeah. they, and they beat him like they should have, his comments after the game were really weird. He was trying to, well, we had 400 yards of offense. Yeah, 300 of them in the fourth quarter against the third stringers. 
And then last week they lost to Vanderbilt. Ooh. I think Vanderbilt had lost like 12 games in a row or something. Ooh. And it was at home again. And he did the same thing after the game. He's like making all these excuses and like, oh, I'm really happy and saw a lot of positive. There's no positives to losing at home to Vanderbilt, especially a week after you got your ass kicked by an FCS team. Those are very those are very Fleckian things to say. Yeah, very PJ yeah. Fleck so things to like, say. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say this for, for the Jacks, but is Colorado State going to go 0-11, 0-12? Yeah. And if they did, that would mean both FBS wins the Jacks had would be against teams that did not like, win a game that like, year. Like the worst. Right. Yeah. Like th- th- this is not. It should. It should be celebrated. It should be a big deal. It should be a source of pride to beat an FBS team. That's and that's something that has half a million bucks. Twenty three more yeah. scholarships players yeah. than you do, and a bigger. And they gave stadium. you half a million. But I think it was four hundred fifty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but still, <laughs> yes. It. It. I. I, I hate to say they it too, terrible. but that that win over Kansas still kind of feels like. Yeah, but it's Kansas. Do you really count that as an FBS win? Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the one thing yeah. about that game, they were ahead thirty five to three and almost blew it. Okay. And uh, so Kansas, at least in that game, showed some yeah. explosiveness, showed some talent, you yeah. know, to, to come all the way back and yeah. almost win it. You know, Colorado State just didn't look yeah. like, I mean, by the way, Steve, Steve Adazio was a, an Urban Meyer assistant coach at Florida back when Urban was at Florida. Okay. So that is probably how he got the Boston yeah, College they job. They already want him gone there. And he was like 7-6 and six, almost every single year he was at Boston College, and that was finally not enough uh, to keep his job, and so he ends up at Colorado State. But anyway, uh, by the way, what was the crowd like? What was the atmosphere like? What awesome. Was, uh, it was. Uh, yeah, okay. it was like the fifth biggest crowd in Colorado State history. 30,000 was? 33,000. Okay. Um, and the, Not exactly a football school. No, I mean, I think the whole stadium only holds like 40 or yeah. 38 or something. Yeah. The entire lower level was students, and they were rocking. And the funny thing about it was I think anyone going to that game who was like a serious football fan knew, like, SDSU certainly could win this game and maybe is expected to win this game. You could also tell that the students who made up at least half the crowd – had no idea. They're like, "Oh, who the hell is South Dakota State? We're probably gonna kick this guy." Like, yeah. they just had no idea. Of course, you know why would yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, you know, they just assume, "Oh, they're one double A FCS, whatever." South Dakota, like, there's there definitely seemed to be a, a sense of what the hell is going on here. Yeah. Whereas, then everyone in the press box was like, "Yeah, we could have told you this something like this was gonna happen." <laughs> what, yeah. what about the rest of the stadium? Do you felt the rest of the crowd or fans? Oh, knew, a lot of or? people left once it got to be like twenty-eight to ten. Yeah, there were some boo birds when when things started going yeah. south. Well, sure, and, you uh, still shouldn't lose to an FCS school. I you mean, know, if you're, I if suppose you're them, you shouldn't. It, you really. I mean, it's arguably the best FCS team. Yes. and that, you know, they're, I know. they're a Mac or not a Mac school, a, a Mountain West. Um, I, I think this is the first time the Jacks have played a, a group of five FBS. All their FBS games prior had been power conference teams. And I definitely got a strong sense. Um, and uh, the Jackrabbit Illustrated guy, Matt, I can't think of his last name, um, was saying oh. in one of his articles that uh, he had heard from a, or a coach had told him that they were really anxious to play an F- FBS group of five team because they had long suspected – the Valley is better than the group of five teams, mm. at least most of them. Yeah, probably. And uh, I had always wondered that, too. Like, Because if you almost beat Minnesota, you almost beat Nebraska, you hang with TCU, why wouldn't you beat the snot out of Colorado State or Bowling Green or Toledo mm-hmm. or some of these other schools? You yep. know? And, uh, th- I mean, we saw what happened. I mean, that, that game, 42-23, to 23, and it wasn't as close right. as that score I, makes it I sound. think most Coyote fans are disappointed they didn't hold on and beat Kansas. Like, they probably should have. They played, like, they played yeah. like crap and still almost beat Kansas. So, uh, but you mentioned, okay, 
couple things. You mentioned fans walking out of this Colorado State loss to South Dakota State probably early in the fourth quarter, if not earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw, uh, so, you know, somebody tweeted that was at the Iowa-Iowa State game. Biggest Iowa-Iowa State game ever. But the first time they've ever been ranked at the same time, and they were in the top ten. And a big brother, you know, owned a little brother again. Iowa controlled the game. But it was only a, a ten-point win. It was a 14-point game heading into the fourth quarter. And, again, it, it was somebody from <clears throat> a major radio station in Des Moines just tweeted Iowa State fans walking out of the stadium, apparently going into the fourth quarter when their Cyclones were down by 14. <laughs> it's like, wow. I mean, if Basketball that's school. when it happened, uh, that that phenomenon I have never known. Because I did a high school football game over the, uh, over the weekend. I won't say which one it was. In retrospect, this game was within 10 points for most of the game. And yet, when you look back at it, and it ended up being... Uh, much bigger than 10-point game, but it was 10 points most of the way. And you look back and you go, well, that, okay, that, 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 the team that lost never had a chance when you, when you look back to the end of it. But still, if you're a fan of that team and you're down by just 10 with five minutes left, why would you, I don't get why fans leave so early sometimes. So they can drink. I was at the, uh, or beat the traffic. I was at the. Uh, so they can drink. Yeesh, okay. Sell beer in your stadium, and you can solve that problem. I don't know if they do in Ames. I know they do in uh, Iowa City, mm. and they will now. Or they well. By the way, I was you just get- taking another shot at the South Dakota schools <laughs> for not selling beer. Uh, it reminded me of the. Oh, o- I just thought of that though. The Jacks are off this weekend, and I don't have to cover golf on Saturday. And Augie's at home. There we go. I could go to the Augie game, there and go. and I could I could. Have a beer in the wow, beer garden. What a concept! You don't Ooh. have to. Yeah, you don't have to smuggle anything in. You don't oh, have to like take a couple that. extra shots before <laughs> the game, just so you won't lose your buzz. <laughs> did you get what kind of uh, response did you get from the SDSU folks? By the way, and it, it, plus, I'll add this: Do you anticipate that perhaps this forces? their hand a little bit. Well, it's not the SDSU people. It's the border regions. Border you know? true. Um, yeah. And Justin Sells. So you mentioned this. Yeah, we mentioned this. But, but I did say on the podcast last time, I, I personally think, it, in fairness to Justin, without knowing what's going on behind the scenes, but I personally think he should be more aggressive. Yeah. The and, way and, her, the way uh, Herbster was aggressive about signing multi-year deals right. before and, they were allowed. I mean, and I don't know that yeah. he necessarily has the ability to, to take it that far, but yeah. Publicly, he's been really careful about not, you know, saying the wrong thing or whatever. Like, I kind of think it's getting close to time for Justin yeah. to start going public with like, this needs to fucking happen. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's not like it's Nebraska and everybody's wor- every. We're waiting for Tom Osborne to die. That's it. That's that's the assumption in all across Husker land that Tom is such a is, prude that, that he doesn't that's, want. That's why. That is why the University of Nebraska doesn't sell beer at games. I don't buy yet, that for a second. Is because Tom Osborne is still alive. He's been very much uh, an anti-alcohol guy his whole life. Yeah, big, you know, drinking and driving Perfect, spokesman. Perfectly fine with Lawrence Phillips beating the shit out of his girlfriends and playing on Saturday. But, but yes, very anti-alcohol and al- anti-alcohol. What a guy. I don't think he was perfectly fine with it. But, uh, Do you want to spend this whole podcast? No, I don't. Hey, not, at all, not, at not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Because I could go on. I know you could. <laughs> uh, God, I was going to bring up. Oh, so while we're sidetracking into this, Huskers, Oklahoma this week. It's another... Uh, it's another chance for Husker Did they fans beat to Buffalo, live in the past. by the way. Twenty-eight to seven, covered oh, the wow. spread. I tweeted before that game. I said, you know, 
this is a great day for Husker football. This is an excellent measuring stick game to see how Nebraska stacks just up against. Just how bad a, are we? <laughs> just to stack up against a team of equal competition, oh, a, a mid-level MAC team. <laughs> you know, this is really we're going to find out a lot more about what the Huskers are made of, and uh, apparently. So it they, sounds like the Huskers are. A about as good as the Jacks, because that's probably what I, they would do to Buffalo. SDSU, I think, would beat Nebraska. I really think I, so. I, I think they would, too. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, you know why? <clears throat> because it's not so much – I'm not comparing talent level here, although I think SDSU has some, uh, as we as we know, some I mean, talented Pierre, Pierre players. Strong, Chris Oladokun, Even if Isaiah were, Davis, if he's healthy, yeah. I'd take those three over whoever's playing those positions for the Huskers. It's not just that. It is Nebraska's a shit show. They turn it over. They're not disciplined. They get penalized too much. They they have they have slip on banana peel fuck up moments early in games. It sets the whole tone. It gets everybody on the team. And if they're at home in the stadium, going here we go again. And if you're doing that against SDSU, even if Husker fans, probably far more knowledgeable than Rams fans, um, would would understand how good SDSU is, <clears throat> and Vegas would probably not set the line at much more than ten points if if less than that. Uh, still, it'd be a, uh, here we go again, and it's against an FCS school. It could get out of hand quickly. I, SDSU would be capable of, if not blowing out Nebraska, <laughs> a couple touchdowns. It could happen because Nebraska's had a very snowball uh, effect sort of thing. All right, but it's uh, Oklahoma week for Husker fans, so it's a chance for us to uh, just you know go down memory lane, totally ignore. The fact the that we're a 22-point underdog, <laughs> going to get uh, smashed by Oklahoma, having fun discussions in Sports Talk Radio if Nebraska-Oklahoma was indeed a quote-unquote respected rivalry out of mutual respect, or if there's been revisionist history because back in the day they absolutely hated each other. Uh, speaking of attendance, back to your number at the Fort Collins. You said it was a, one of their best crowds ever. Wow, was it really 15,000-plus in Brookings against Lindenwood? I didn't think so, but I'm not – I mean, it's been so long since they've had a big crowd like that, especially because the spring season, you know, was – I'm really in no position to say that they fudged the numbers or whatever, or maybe it was a butts in the seats versus tickets sold or whatever, but it was a great crowd, Yeah, and I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. Given that we're still not fully out of the pandemic – you know, you had a year off, essentially. I think the biggest crowd they got during the spring was like 2,000 when they had, you know, limited attendance or whatever. I was expe- and, and they're playing a Division Two team. Yeah. I mean, I know it was the home opener, and I know they're coming off this huge FBS win, coming off a national championship appearance. I was thinking seven, 8,000. And it looked like at least 12. Mm-hmm. And it might have been 15. I mean, it was, you know, I, I can't see, you know, from where I'm sitting. and But the other side was across from the press box was much fuller than I expected. Student section had a great turnout. You know, the place holds 19,000, so I guess it's possible they had that many. But either way, it was just a much bigger crowd than I was expecting. Engaged? Yeah, yeah. The students in particular, but I mean, like, it was... um, It was kind of like, oh yeah, this is what it used to be like. Remember the old days when we people went to football games and (laughs) cheered for the team? Because, you know... Obviously, like I said, the spring season was a whole thing. But then 2019 was the year, and and, and 2018 even, I think, you had the, you know, the um, uh, college game day. They sold that out, and that was crazy. But, you know, there were so many games where, and I hate to keep throwing this back in their faces, but when they opened the new stadium, they were like, you know, anything less than 15,000 is unacceptable. Well, then all of a sudden they're having games of 8, 9, 10 pretty regularly. That's a less than half full stadium. 
and that might still happen this year. You know, this was the home opener. This was the game after an FBS win. Great weather. Off, yeah, great weather, national championship. We might still see some games where there's only six, 7,000 people, and that would be no. disappointing. But, but as you mentioned, a lot of their toughest games, top 25 teams, they're all coming there. That so. might help. You know, they're not asking people to come to Western Illinois, you know, or Indiana State. Um, but we'll see. But either, either way, I, I was really impressed. The players and coaches all talked about it. Uh, I think you have to give the Jacks fans credit. They showed up and they were into it. A week off, who do they got next? Indiana State on the road after the bye. In the town that what? Mick Terre Gary? Haute. The Terre town that Mick Gary says needs a oh. good shave. Yeah. Uh, you, you're not going to give him credit or you just, you've heard that before? I, I, <laughs> uh, speaking of those yotes that Mick used to cover, uh, you had the assignment of paying attention, watching their game, writing a story about it. Uh, same thing. They were. Uh, they looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. I don't know how good Northern Arizona is. I was they a little surprised. At, I thought at, they'd be good. Yeah. They opened at home against Sam Houston and got smoked. Uh, but Sam Houston's the national champion. And you know that's a big sky school. You know they're 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 not terrible. They can't, at least I don't think they are. I think USD so far has lived up to what we thought. In that, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be pretty good. I think they're they're top. You know. 30, 35 players, however deep they go on offense and defense, they're as good as most of the teams in the Valley. It's just a question of their depth. So as the season goes on, okay. you know how healthy they're able to stay, I think, is going to determine how competitive they can continue to be. But um, the things you really would want to see out of the Yotes, you've seen so far, the defense looks a lot better. The offensive line looks better. They're running the football, which they didn't do at all in the spring. Uh, their special teams had a huge game against Northern Arizona. Punter, kicker, return game. Um, you know, I don't know how much of a, a, a role special teams really plays. It's something that coaches always harp on. To me, it always feels like something that only matters when you fuck it up. Mm. Um, but th- in this case, you know, the, the Yotes made a lot of big plays on special teams that contributed to the win. And given that their kicker and punter are all-American caliber dudes and they seem to have some guys return game, that could be a factor. That could be a difference maker in some of those close games. Sure. But, I mean, their defense essentially shut them out. You know, they scored a s- touchdown on defense. Uh, I was interested to see how Carson Camp would play because I didn't watch the Kansas game, but I heard he didn't look real good in that game. And then in the first quarter against NAU, he he was all over the place. He was missing guys, and I was kind of like, geez, this might be a problem. This freshman quarterback that had a nice spring apparently didn't play well in Kansas, and now he looks sloppy to start. Well, then he seemed to really get it together, uh, started making much more accurate throws. He even had – his stats could have been better. He threw two or three deep balls that – were just really well covered or could have been caught, and his stats could have been even better. So I think he took a step forward. They did bring in – they have a Wildcat quarterback. He's a grad transfer from Rutgers. He's like 6'5", 250. He, when he was at Rutgers, he's actually he actually uh, switched from quarterback to tight end before ultimately transferring. And they use him for a couple series. It'll be interesting to see if they continue to do that. He's mostly a running guy, but he did throw it a couple times. So that was interesting. Uh, Travis Tice had another pretty good game running the ball. They did lose uh, Caleb Vanderesh, their top receiver. We'll see if he's healthy or not. But anyway, I mean, if you're a Yotes fan, I I don't know what more you could have asked for to 34 to seven against a, a Big Sky team in your first home wow. game. And you know now they got Cal Poly, and I don't know much about how good they are this they year. They just got destroyed by Kalen DeBoer's Fresno State Bulldogs, 63 to 10. Well. Fresno State's pretty good. Oh, they're really good. Yeah, yeah. but that's and an, F- and an FBS team, but a good FBS team. They beat San Diego twenty-eight seventeen the week before that. Cal Poly. San Diego's non-scholarship. So Cal Poly is not ranked. They have not triple received option votes. team. At least I'm assuming Ooh. they still are. They were when the Jacks played them last. That's always a headache. This yeah. will be a night.
great game at Cal Poly. Uh, that is in San Luis Obispo, by the way, one of the uh-huh. most beautiful places in the world. You never hear about it. Uh, it's between it's between L.A. and San Francisco on the coast. It's it's. Uh, I went there once uh, with the family. It'd be an incredible place to go to college. And I remember SDSU playing them here and there. In fact, I think they were they SDSU's in that that uh, that kind of makeshift league. The what was it called? The uh, Great, oh, the West, Great West. Before the uh, were they in the Great Jacks? West? Oh yeah, the Jacks. No, were I think that West. was Cal Davis. Oh, okay, I remember seeing. I a, think that I, was Cal Davis. I remember the first Jackrabbit game I went to was circa 2008. When I first moved to Sioux Falls, and they, it was a night game against Cal Poly, and uh, mm. a very disappointing loss. But they played them just a few years ago, and Cal Poly beat them like 55-48 or oh, something because wow. the Jacks oh. couldn't stop the triple option. I mean, a school, an FCS school in Cal Poly, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere near, somewhere on the coast, a couple hours from LA. Yeah. You'd think they'd be pretty good at football. They'd have a bunch of people that. Um, uh-huh. Weren't quite good enough to go to USC, UCLA. And then they uh, open conference play with Missouri. I believe they go at Missouri State yeah. following Cal Poly. So. Uh, you are correct, sir. And that is looking like a much tougher game than before the year started. Right. Uh, I did ask a Yote fan, uh, Coyote Eric, who's always willing to give his thoughts, his unfiltered thoughts, uh, did on the old Daily Show back on KWSN. And I asked him to do so for me today. And his uh, thoughts after two games so far, the team has looked much better than the spring. The defense looks much improved. They're finally understanding the new defensive coordinator's scheme in Season 3. Mm-hmm. And the DL looks much improved. New coach there has to be helping, too. Offensive line looks better so far. Running the ball well, less penalties, self-inflicted wounds. I think he means less self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, they, they had none against yeah. uh, they uh, NAU. They were full of them the last couple of years post Strevler. I mean, it was not a good looking outfit. Mm-hmm. Cautiously optimistic right now. Need to get a win at Cal Poly. Uh, Jack Cochran, of course, the linebacker. Brock Mogensen looked really good. Look, thank you. Flying all over the place to the ball. Uh, so there's your there's your coyote report, and uh, you know, we'll see. The secondary looks good too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a note about Kalen DeBoer Fresno State, because I was having this discussion, of course, with one of Kalen's best friends, Curtis Riggs, Riggs Football Academy, Sioux Falls Storm. He was with me on a couple of high school broadcasts over the weekend, and he will be on Friday night for Metrosports.tv and Fox Sports 98.1. Uh, he said, uh, you know, Fresno State almost beats Oregon in week one, right, up in Eugene. And uh, Oregon and, beats Ohio State. And Oregon beats Ohio State, and so... Curtis said that, you know, he had people t- telling him, you know, as kind of a representative of Kalen, you know, man, you know, Kalen's got to be really happy that, you know, Oregon beat uh, Ohio State. And look at how that good that makes Fresno State look. And you, you know Curtis pretty well. He's a sardonic guy. So he's just like, yeah, I can guarantee you that does not make Kalen feel any better. Right, right, right. <laughs> They feel like they blew it and they should right. have beat Oregon. Right. So, by the way um, – Boy, it'd be cool if the Jacks could get Fresno on their schedule one of these years. Yeah, I mean, Kalen might be gone by then because I was going to say their schedule is so far out. The USC job is open. Do we think Kalen DeBoer is going to get it? No, not now. USC is going to go for um, somebody Hollywood, somebody flashy. Kalen's got to win at Fresno State. He hasn't done that yet. I mean, what this is his first full year. I guess that's right. Yeah, that it was a spring COVID year. I think they went like three and two or something. Yeah, Um, Um, but yeah, I mean, if he puts together two or three. Eight nine win seasons and maybe a, a conference championship in there. Right. Well, I mean, I think his first year on the gig, 
Okay, and I'm going back. He was he was at Indiana before Fresno State. He was at Fresno before Indiana as the OC. Right. And then Tedford retires. But this anyway. This is his first time as head coach since he was at USF. Yeah, and but you know, his offenses I mean you go back to the Indiana offense from a couple of years ago is like the second best offense yeah, in the Big Ten, mostly because Rumble, of him. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right, so uh, any, any, anything you want to toss in about Augustana or USF other than you uh, are looking forward to going to the uh, the Augie game and having uh, some drinks? I'll and say this about around. Augie. They you know, haven't played a good team yet, but although Mary looks a little better, they're 2-0. They've scored 40-some points in both games, and Mankato got smoked by Duluth this week. Mankato has long been the top dog in the NSIC by a pretty yeah. considerable margin. Back Duluth to the Bob been, Nielsen days. Yeah, Duluth is – no, that's Duluth. Sorry. And Duluth has been good, but they seem to have taken a step down since Bob left. Mm. Now, maybe Duluth is, is really awesome this year. I don't know. But Mankato getting smoked like that tells me that the NSIC is much more wide open than it has been the last mm. few years. And Augie's good. Um, they're pretty loaded. they got a lot of seniors. This might be their year. So uh, I, that will be something to keep an eye on. Not that USF isn't in the mix, too, uh, but they did lose their home opener to Bemidji State, mm. and that's going to make it that much harder for them to dig out of that, I don't want to say hole, but you lose a game at home, and then you still have all those other tough games There's to go. There's little for margin of error for in that, in that league. In that league, once you lose twice, your yeah. balls are on the bandsaw. Yeah, and so you probably speak. don't yeah. make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, both Augie and USF have uh, just throttled Minot State. I'm feeling bad for Mike Aldrich. I'm wondering <laughs> how much longer that's going to last. Uh, 49-0 at Augie, 49-10 at home to USF. Tough play. I mean, we thought when he took that job, it's like, good for Mike, all right, right but man, that's a tough gig. Yeah, yeah. Not much else to say. I mean, <laughs> Not much else I, to say there. Yeah, I, you know, you, uh, you get that team to 5-6, 6-5, and 6-5, six, six and you're in coach of the year territory. Yeah. USF is at home uh, at 1 o'clock on Saturday, and I encourage uh, – are Augie and USF both at home the same week? They are, yeah. That's and rare. I think it's a I think it's a one o'clock kick as well. Bob Young Field. Who do they got? Good question. Uh, let me find that out. I should know as well because I will be there. I get to be on the microphone. I get to be the PA guy for the day. Uh, let's see. It, uh, in the north, I would assume. They've got Concordia St. Paul. They, they moved into the north now. Yeah. Are they any good? Uh, they're not terrible. Yeah, they've I, been decent. I think they either beat USF. And they'll be better now. Yeah, they, or that was the one USF had to score in a Hail Mary in the last yeah, play. Last of the game. play. They yeah. got two years ago. Yes, yeah. They didn't play last year. They might have beat them the next. I don't. Yeah. Something they're like pretty that. solid. Yeah, and they'll they're, be better now that they're in the North. Well, they should be good. I mean, they're the Twin Cities, right? I mean, you should mm-hmm. have a decent football program. They there. were one of the better teams in the NSIC before all the NS, NCC teams moved in and okay. kind of ruled the roost. Okay. So uh, we got that going on. Yeah, I took that gig. Uh, I was offered because their usual guy Paul Heinert had a couple games he couldn't do, <laughs> and I know this is just this is just a selfish aside, but it's fun. Uh, so they offered me a couple different games. One of them was this one, which was Nebraska Oklahoma, and you know maybe ten years ago me during the Bo Pelini days would be you know where they were Nebraska. I didn't like Bo, but at least they were competitive. I'd be like I can't. I know I gotta. I'm sorry. I'm watching the Oklahoma game. I hate to do this to you, but I. I'm not going to go be a PA announcer at USF if Nebraska Oklahoma's on. This was a very meaningful. This was the best part about being a Husker fan was this game every year. You turned down money to watch a Husker football game. I if it was competitive, it'd be <laughs> it, I'd have to I, I probably wouldn't. I probably would not, but it would be a much harder this time it was like, "Yes, please get me out of watching Nebraska getting destroyed by Oklahoma." Thank you. It's like it's a, a 1 o'clock kick. Nebraska kicks off at 11 with Oklahoma by by 12:30 that game will be over. I'll be fine. But uh, the other one was uh, Augie USF in early October, the second, 
and that uh, we're Gilbert and I are going down our, our one voyage to Lincoln a year, and Nebraska's mm-hmm. playing Northwestern, and you know I like going. I still like going for the party, nothing else but the party. I it's that's where it's at right now with Nebraska football. Is I don't go over the games. I'm like, oh, I'm really excited. I can't wait to see Nebraska play in Memorial Stadium. All right, how are they gonna, you know, Northwestern? They always get our, you know, they always seem to get us every year. Let's see if we can get Northwest. No, it's like I like the party. I like the pregame. I like seeing old friends, and that's basically, that is basically it. Uh, meanwhile, let's get to the Vikings. Um, I've got, you know, I've got a lot of thoughts, but I'm not the die in the wool Vikings fan. You always seem to have more of a thirty thousand foot view. Uh, more of a view of the forest than the trees. Uh, less, you're you're less hard on the Vikings than I would expect your sports sensibilities to be. Uh, so I'm really curious as to what you think about uh, a getting screwed because they did get screwed, but b they look like shit. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, my five words for this game was it would be got screwed, deserved to lose. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel like. Oh, this is bullshit. Because yeah, it just didn't feel like they deserved to win. Hey, Dalvin, hold on to the ball. Yeah, yeah you were down. Then hold on to the fucking ball. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought the offense looked terrible early, just like they weren't ready. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins settled down and played better in the second half of the game, but I wouldn't say he had a good game. Even though oh. the, the, it was a, a vintage Kirk Cousins performance, you look at the stats and go, "Wow, big game! 360 yards and three touchdowns." And he just did not play winning football for most of the game. Uh, The offensive line we knew was going to be bad, and they were even worse. Um, The, you know, the I lost track of the penalties, um, the holding calls. It's just it's the worst offensive line in professional football. And does that excuse Kirk Cousins to some degree? A little. Um, You know, it it's hard to play quarterback when you have five guys in front of you that can't protect you, especially when you are Kirk Cousins. You know, it's not like he's Michael Vick. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Who do you want to blame? Offensive line? It doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's a problem having that situation. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't have a great game before he had the, the clutch fumble. Um, so I just I, – I, the offense is troubling. You wonder about – I thought the play calling was terrible, especially, again, early. Guess what? That bubble screen on third and 20 isn't fooling anybody, or even second and nine. Uh, really d- disliked a lot of the play calls. And uh, – you know, it overshadowed, I think, at times, a few positives. I thought the defense was encouraging. I wouldn't say it was good, you know, but the defense was bad last year, in large part because there were injuries and guys missing. Right. There's, the, they had know, nobody. That was a JV defense. Yeah, they did reload some on defense, and, and you saw some positives. I, I would have liked to see them play better, yeah. and I think they will Game as the season continues. Yards rushing. Yeah, it, it wasn't good, but I, I, I at least saw some signs like, okay, maybe – Maybe once they kind of get running, this will be a pretty decent defense. Yeah, um, and it, you know, having one extra game helps a little bit. You know, you, it's not like it's a super longer season, but that's one extra week to maybe, you know, does ten and seven get you in or nine and eight or I don't know. I mean, at times this looked like a three and fourteen football oh, team. Did. You know, first half for sure. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. Then you look at the rest. What happened the rest of the day? <laughs> Uh, the Packers, I don't know what – I didn't watch that game. I was in such a bad mood from the Vikings game, I didn't want to watch it. Uh, but I turned back on, and it was like 31-3, to and Aaron Rodgers looked like a homeless guy on the sidelines. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> what is going on? Now, maybe they, just, ever. maybe they just had a terrible day. I don't know. But if, if they're – that also – maybe Aaron Rodgers knew something that the rest of us didn't. You know, when he was hemming and hawing about, I don't want to play, or I'm going to retire, or, you know, maybe he saw this coming. 
because all of a sudden the Packers look awful, yeah. the Bears look awful, the Lions are awful because they're the Lions. So, I mean, you look at this division and let's go, oh, okay, can 7-10 and 10 win the NFC North this year? Maybe, you know? <laughs> I doubt I mean, it. I, I think the Packers got at least 10 in them. I, really I mean, you would think Aaron Rodgers is good enough to do that by himself, yeah. but... Jesus, maybe he's, you know, I don't know. It, it, sometimes guys hit a wall. Sometimes, I mean, he's not getting any younger. You know, I, I, based on what you saw week one, like I was bummed about the Vikings losing, but by the end of the day, I was like, well, they're probably not any worse than the rest of the teams. Say, I can understand how you'd be in a funk after watching the Vikings, but are, are, don't true Vikings fans just tune right into that Packer game and just immediately have at least some of their eh. some of their shitty feelings washed aside by how by how I, maybe the Packers some, are getting I'm destroyed. I'm not really that kind of fan, but I mean, I'm sure some of them do. Um, yeah, it's, everybody's 0-4 in that league, and actually the Vikings have the boy, best point differential. at the, Yeah, they're in first place. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just look at what happened. You don't want to be too overreactive. The game won, but this doesn't change much. I, 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 the Vikings feel very 10-9, and 10-7, uh, or 9-8. and eight. Wild card at best, probably on the road and probably lose that game. And now they look look and feel more seven and ten. If you want to go off of one game, but this was one of those wins you thought they would have. And maybe the eh, Bengals. I mean, are it's be, tough to win on the road, even against is, teams that aren't that good. And but we can't. don't know if Cincinnati's terrible. I mean, right. You know. we, I don't think excuses are good for. I'm this not making one. excuses. I'm just saying, yeah. like, I don't know how good Cincinnati is. Yeah. I, I fully expect them to lose to Arizona on Sunday. Arizona yeah. looks pretty good. Right. And it's another Oh, I mean, game. just get ready for Kirk Cousins to, to get murdered again. The Taylor Jones. Then you got home against Seattle, yeah. home against Cleveland. You could easily be 0-4. Yeah, Taylor Jones of the Cardinals had five sacks, and he was going up against elite an elite pass rusher in their game. Um, was it Chandler Jones? Isn't that his name? Uh, maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure. Jones, he's good. Uh, look for him to uh, murder Kirk Cousins because the offensive line isn't very good. But, you know, it's, it's about time for people, anybody who's still a Vikings fan, still making excuses for Kirk Cousins, I get, he's not the number one problem. I get it. Right. We all also know that he's overpaid and he's not a top five quarterback in the NFL, but he's paid like one, and you should expect more out of Kirk Cousins than what he's giving you at this point. Did you watch, did you watch Derek Carr last night? Anybody mm-hmm. watch Derek Carr? All right, the, the Raiders, like the Vikings, do have some offensive weapons. He's got some guys to go to. But it's the NFL. There aren't very many good offensive lines. It's hard to because these defensive fronts, linemen and linebackers, these are 250 to 300-pound refrigerators. No body fat, fast. These are different kind of athletes, and most offensive lines and linemen are not, just are not capable of blocking them. Pockets collapse. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go, you have to have an ability in the NFL in 2021 to figure out how to handle a collapsing pocket. And obviously, Kirk Cousins does not have that ability, never has, never will. He's never going to get better at that. He doesn't sense footsteps. Mike Zimmer threw him under the bus at halftime, talking about how he holds on to the ball too long. He's. We understand, you know, he even directed that, you know, game-tying field goal drive with a couple of tough passes. And yeah, we forgot to mention the kicker. Um, the highlight of the game. He made really a clutch was. kick. <laughs> but, <laughs> at, <clears throat> excuse me, at this point, um, uh, Lewis Riddick made a good statement talking about David Carr uh, this morning on the radio. He was obviously on the call last night. Does a quarterback ever elevate? Does he elevate your team? Does mm-hmm. he elevate the team? Is he able to make plays despite things not going for him? Mm-hmm. With the, Kirk Cousins, the answer is too often no. Do you remember, besides one throw in overtime against the Saints in a playoff game, two throws really, the throw to Thielen and then the touchdown throw to Rudolph, other than that, do you remember times where Kirk Cousins has truly, in a big game, done overcame anything? 
to throw the Vikings to this to a victory. day. I think the two best games he's played as a Viking were a loss and a tie. Mm. I think it was okay. his first year with the team. Yeah. There was the game in Green Bay. That was one where Daniel Carlson missed like four field goals and they ended up tying. Cousins was a dude that day. He mm-hmm. made some big time throws. Yeah, I remember after that game going, "Holy shit! Maybe yeah. they were smart to pay this guy. Yeah. Like he looked awesome." And they would have won if Daniel Carson could have made a 25-yard fucking field goal. <laughs> now he's making everything. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, right, right, right. But I don't blame Mike Zimmer one bit for that. Yeah. He couldn't make anything. Yeah, yeah. Get your ass out of here. Yeah. Um, but Cousins <laughs> played great that game. And I think later that same year was, I think it was a Monday night game against the Rams. Yeah. They got into a big shootout, yeah. and they lost. Yeah. But that certainly wasn't Cousins' fault. The Rams yeah. had like 700 yards right. that game. And that game, which was a fun game to watch, and I remember thinking like, Man, you know, Cousins might not be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, but there are times when he can step up and get in a shootout and like, yeah, I'm right there with you. And it hasn't been – there just haven't been nearly enough of those moments. No, and then it's the fact that this, this, the NFL still comes down to – it's the most parody-stricken league in sports there is. So many games come down to the fourth quarter. Now, the first half totally bit the Vikings in the ass. That's where they lost this game. I mean, they had 17 penalties – 12 of which were accepted. They had three on their first five plays. C.J. Ham false started twice. Well, he had terrible uh, I mean, They looked so poorly coached, and Cousins played like crap the whole first half. Um, but I put more weight, and you should always put more weight on. How do you do in the fourth quarter to overcome things? You're going to have a bunch of close games, even against teams like the Bengals. And they didn't. And um, so I just, where is this going with Cousins, with Zimmer, with Rick Spielman? It's, it's not going anywhere. Maybe they make the playoffs, but where, yeah. is, it, where is this going long term? Cousins isn't your guy for the future. Zimmer's getting old, and he's not your guy for the future. He's a great defensive mind. To me, not a great head coach. Uh, he lets the offense do it, at, you know, do it at once, basically, and um, that's hurt him as a head coach. Well, and, he, and and Rick Spielman as a GM. You look at the first couple rounds worth of picks besides Justin Jefferson the last two years. Mm-hmm. Some of these corners that he drafted are either gone or not even playing. Might and, have been partly uh, Zimmer's impact on that, but and he can't draft the offensive line. So I just uh, where are the Vikings going? It doesn't feel like they're going anywhere with with what they got. They're not terrible, but I have a uh, every every Sunday I have a group text with three of my best friends who are, we're all big Vikings fans, and uh, you know it's kind of a group bitching sec- session, sure. obviously. And we were talking about that during the game on Sunday. Like we're all four pretty big Mike Zimmer fans. Uh, I think he is a good head coach. Sure. I, I like the way he manages a football team. Um, but we all kind of agreed, like, this is it. It's kind of time for him to go. And without – none of us really blame him for what has happened. We all like him, but it's like this has run its course. And if if that's the case, which it is, I think everyone agrees, then obviously Rick Spielman needs to go too. Yes. And I've always been a little bit bigger of a Rick Spielman fan or supporter than, than most people. I think he did a pretty good job of inheriting a mess and getting it turned around pretty quick. I think early on – he had a lot of great drafts. I think the team that went to the NFC Championship game in 2017, Rick Spielman did a phenomenal job of putting that team together. And you remember Case Keenum was the quarterback, but he wasn't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be either Teddy Bridgewater yeah. or after he blew his knee, it was supposed to be Sam Bradford. And I think if you had Teddy Bridgewater or a healthy Sam Bradford, um, that might have not only would they maybe have won that game and gone to the NFC Championship, probably not. They just played like shit that day. But they wouldn't have necessarily had to that they maybe could have sustained that. Instead, what happened after that year was Rick Spielman was like, Oh, we almost made it to the Super Bowl and he got desperate and kind of started reaching a little bit and that's when it started to fall apart. The yeah. obvious big reach was Kirk Cousins. Yep. You know, but it, and if he hadn't had to reach for Kirk Cousins, let's let's say Sam Bradford wasn't 
29 going on 50 at that time. His knees were shot. He was done. Yep. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't ready to come back yet. If either of those guys were healthy at that point, you wouldn't have had to commit all these, you know, 30 million a year, whatever it is, to Kirk Cousins. You would have been able to do some other things. Maybe could have done more with the offensive line. But anyway, ever since they lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, the Vikings have basically been chasing their tail, yep. refusing to admit that that was our window. It closed. It we have to start over, rebuild, whatever, because they just haven't been good enough the last few years. And if Ziggy Will, for some reason, decided, like, oh, I'm going to let Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer rebuild this team and start over. Oh. I mean, okay, can't. I guess, but I, I don't see how he does that. You can't. You're just going to keep circling the drain. It's it's You're not going to get out of this 500 thing. Well, we're just not the, – the NFL is no longer a league like that where a guy sort of has that Tom Landry or Tom Kelly sort or of Mike tenure Tomlin, yeah. where it's just like, okay, you can rebuild this. Like, yeah. if they're going to rebuild, you're going to be gone just like the players we're getting rid of. Yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin and Sean Payton have been allowed that. You know, they've both I – mean, But they've the, never really done the full, like, 3-13 and 13 rebuild. Right. You know? well, yeah, sh- yeah, Sean Payton went through, like, two or three seven and nine seasons. Tomlin's never really had a bad season, <clears throat> but – they're allowed to hang around. Why? They won Super Bowls. Yeah, right. That's the right. Vikings haven't come close. Right. right. So you just kind of feel it, it. Mike Zimmer feels like Ron Gardenhire right now. Very good. Produced some good results. Got the hopes up. It's. Uh, it feels like it's worn out. It's, it's past its expiration date. Um, and that's the biggest thing. He'll probably players tune him out. Probably he should get another NFL head coaching job. You would think. I mean, I think he's good enough. He deserves one. Yeah. But at this point, if the Vikings were to rebuild, but keep that, keep him. It would be really hard to get a buy-in uh, from the players. I don't think he'd get a head coaching job. He's a, they had his big feature in the Star Tribune before the game on Sunday. He's got three years left on this Vikings deal, and he wants to write it out. He's a football junkie. He's an addict. But he also said he does not see himself as one of these guys dying mm. doing the job. He wants to enjoy life after this. So He's got three years left know. on his contract, huh? Uh, yeah, he's through 2023. wonder what the but, buyout type situation is. And I is wonder there. if he makes it past this year. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Zim, thank you very much. We encourage everybody, get down to the Gateway Lounge on game day Sundays. Uh, This is a a, a great sports bar just to go to, period, but it is also so ingrained in the community and does so many good things for so many good people. Jackson and the crew here will treat you right like they did with us today. We had Oktoberfest flowing, Budweiser flowing. And uh, by the way, speaking of beer, Sioux Falls Canaries Beer Fest, October 9th. I wonder if you were going to mention that. Yes, 1 to 4 p.m., October 9th. Uh, I was just given the list and didn't bring it with me. Uh, over a dozen vendors. Yeah, I sent you the email today. Yes, I sent out the press release. Uh, second year we're going to do this. It's going to be on a Saturday afternoon, October 9th. You'd expect the weather to be 60s, glorious. College football games on our giant video board. And, you know, Fernson, uh, Severance, Remedy, Lupulin, uh, Ben's Brewing out of Yankton. Uh, and and more at over a dozen local and regional beer vendors. Twenty five dollars will get you forty samplings. I can't think of a better way to spend a few hours on a Saturday afternoon. You could say, well, watch some college football games or go to some college football games again. You'll feel like you're at the game uh, when you're at Beer Fest with the Sioux Falls Canaries on October 9th. Go to the social media Sioux Falls Canaries on Facebook at Canaries on Twitter uh, and Canaries underscore Baseball Instagram or sfcanaries.com. You can find the link. Get your Beer Fest tickets Saturday, October 9th from 1 to 4 p.m. For Matt Zimmer, I'm John Gaskins. You go ahead and lead us out of here. Take it away. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next. I was going to say next week, but that would be require you to make sure you're going to. Next time. We'll see whenever we get back together. <laughs> see if I can go back to back, baby. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.